All right, I want to talk to you for a few moments today on the idea of this, wise men still worship. Wise men still worship. And uh, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, give me a few minutes to read a few verses in the Christmas story. And I have a thoughts that I would like to share with us today. I think they'll be helpful. Matthew 2 verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard it, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And gathered together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so has been written by the prophet. You know, I think it's interesting that these wise men ventured out on a journey that they didn't exactly know where it was going to take them, but they got to moving, and God brought direction into their life. Just a thought. So, uh, they said to him in Bethlehem, Judea, verse 5, so it's been written by the prophet, you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. When you've found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. Having heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they'd seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They came into the house, saw the child with Mary his mother, they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. This story talks about uh, an angle of the birth of Christ from the magi or the wise men who came from the east. And so they were called the magi, but it was a name given to, uh, to priests or to wise men from either from older Persian or Babylonian uh, languages. And the Bible says they saw signs, something stirred that was different, something seemed different. And, uh, and you look into the Bible, Numbers 24, 17, says this, a star shall come forth from Jacob. Now, I don't know if they knew this verse necessarily because they ended up having to ask for direction on this journey, but some kind of stirring. Have you ever had a stirring in your life? You know, something stirred, either something stirring in your soul or something stirring on the outside of you, something's happening in culture, something's happening to you personally, but a stirring is taking place, and this stirring caused them to start out on a worship journey. You see the word worship involved in this passage several times, and I think it's interesting to notice that the Bible says that they were out looking for he who was born 
king of the Jews. Uh, it Really, Jesus was just a baby that they were going to, to locate, but the Bible says that they were in pursuit of worshiping a king. And, you know, sometimes when you have a worship angle on life, it will put you in a place where you see things different than a person who has a worship angle. In other words, they saw prophetic potential in this baby. Uh, they saw beyond the natural. They, they, saw, they saw beyond what was going on, and they, they saw possibility. They saw promise. And my, my hope, my aim, as we venture into this for a little bit, is to, to, to awaken us to a dimension of life that worship brings us into, that a worshiping heart brings us into, that a worshiping perspective brings us into, because I really believe it will, it will clear the air for a lot of us to see things in an entirely different way. Now, here they are, they're, they're journeying, they're trying to figure out what's going on, a stirring's going on, they're just sort of following, they're, they're taking the journey, they were looking for the air expense five-step plan to uh, finding the Messiah, and they didn't really know how that was going to work, but, uh, but I think it's an interesting thing that um, they, they enter into this situation with King Herod, and King Herod calls together the chief priests and the scribes. Uh, one version uh, calls them the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin knew exactly where to tell these guys to go. They were, they were journeying, not knowing where they would end up, but they got started on the journey. Sometimes you just need to get started. Sometimes you just need to get moving. But what's intriguing to me about this idea is that the wise men and the Sanhedrin were coming from two different places. The Sanhedrin knew everything about where to find he who would be born king of the Jews. But only the wise men actually took the initiative to go seek him out. There was the, the wise men personally wanted to see for themselves. The wise men personally wanted to connect with God. But the Sanhedrin were just content with knowing about God. There's a big difference between knowing about God and actually connecting personally, really, with God. And I just want to say to you that your initiative to go after God matters. Your, 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 your leaning into this thing matters. Your, your attention matters. Your effort, and we don't earn anything by effort, but can I say that this idea to say, God, I'm going to lean in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek for you. I'm, I'm going to connect with you. I'm not going to be content with just knowing about you. I'm going to lean in to know you. That's a, that's a different thing altogether. And that's what these wise men were all about. So I'm going to start today. I don't know how far I'll get, but I'll get as far as I get. And I want to talk about six components to the wisdom of worship. 
Six components to the wisdom of worship. Now, when I say wise men still worship, can I just help us understand that I'm talking to women too? So don't make me say men and women, men and women, men and women, right? Number one is this idea. Worship is the first move of a wise man. Worship is the first move of a wise man. It's always a wise move to go to worship. The wisest thing you could do in any given situation is worship God first. That's, 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 that's the beginning of your path to wisdom. Now, let's just be sure we, we're on the same page. Worship is not just singing three songs for 17 and a half minutes at the beginning of church. That is an expression of worship, but there's more to worship than that. Worship is when we stop and gather a clear recognition of the greatness of God. A, a clear recognition of the, the character and the nature of God. That we are stopping and reminding ourselves, no matter what's going on, this is where I start. This is where wisdom starts. I'm trying to figure out how to raise my kids. This is where wisdom starts. I'm trying to figure out what to do with my money. This is where wisdom starts. I'm trying to figure out what decision to make. This is where wisdom starts. Wisdom stops. I mean, wisdom starts when it goes, okay, my operating platform on moving into this is going to be, I'm going to stop and remember God is good. God is great. That's the place to start. And, and the, the minute these wise men saw stirring, their, their first move was, let's, let's move into worship. Whether, whether the stirring that's going on in your world right now is good or tough or bad or difficult or amazing, I'm going to encourage you to choose worship first. So you got a promotion at work. Woohoo! I'm going to encourage you to choose to worship God and to recognize that he is the giver of all good things. And yeah, you might have got it because you got better at what you do or you, are, you have grown and somebody has recognized that. But you got to remember at the end of the day, it all comes from one source, that is God. That's the wisest place to go. Now, the truth is, you may have gotten a bad report from the doctor. Can I tell you the wisest place to go is stop and go, all right, I'm going to stop and remember that God still heals people. I'm going to stop. I'm going to remember that God is merciful, that God is great, that God is good, 
that God is wise, that God is in charge. Come on, you won, whatever you won in, stop and worship God. You lost, anybody ever lost? Come on, you, you lost, you messed up, you made a mistake, you did something wrong. Your wisest move is to not just heap guilt and condemnation on yourself. Your wisest move is to stop and remember who God really is. Worship is the first move of a wise man. Worship clears your perspective. Worship positions your heart in the right place. Uh, Honestly, I think this worship attitude is so vital to live heart-healthy lives. You just need worship. In your world. And whatever it takes for you to enter into that. Read your Bible. That's always a good thing. Play worship music at the house. Make it to church on time. Okay. No condemnation. Just a little urging. But, but we, we need worship to clear our head. To clear our heart. To see it right. Because it is possible to view God from your situation. But it's also possible to get into the presence of God and view your situation from the presence of God. And too many people have stood in the midst of a difficult situation and judged God rather than get in the presence of God and judge their situation. Your situation is coming to pass. It's, it doesn't stay. You, you got to see things from the presence of God. And you got to get this understanding. Whatever's going on in your world, good, bad, whatever, and God, it's not like they're on the same plane. Like there needs to be a pause and go, God is greater. His throne is over. He is he leaning in to want to help. And I'm not, I'm not trying to just see this thing evened out. No, 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 no. Worship is the first best move and the first move of wisdom. Worship will lift you out of responding to your situation and it will lift you to respond to God in your situation. That's... You got to think about that. If you want to take a picture of that, it would be worth meditating on. Because a lot of people freak out when they respond to situations. But it's a whole other thing to respond to God 
in the middle of a situation. The second component of the wisdom of worship is this, is that wisdom seeks out God. I'm impressed with these wise men. They sought out the things of God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you'll seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with all. Everybody say all. All your heart. Wisdom is always seeking out the Lord. Now I want you to hear this because I think this is pretty important. There's a, there's a piece of your relationship with God that you're not going to find on the surface. That you're not going to find with casual inquiry. There's, there's, a, there's a dimension of relationship with God that doesn't just get discovered on the surface of things. And I've discovered that God is not often found on the surface. Proverbs 25, uh, verse 2 says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. So whatever's going on in your world, whatever stirring has taken place, I just want you to know there's something God is up to. There's something God is wanting to teach you. Or there's something God is setting up the dominoes behind the scenes to work in your behalf. And it's the glory of God to conceal a matter is what Proverbs tells us, it's our glory to seek out. Where is God in this? I think a lot of people ask the wrong question. Where is God? I'm asking you to go Where is God in this? This thing I don't understand. This thing that doesn't make sense to me. This thing that looks hard. Where is God in this? Because I think the wrong question is to go, why is this happening to me? Come on, has anybody ever asked that question? You know you have. And if you're not admitting it, you're lying in church. Why is this happening to me? A worshiper goes beneath the surface and starts asking this. Where is God in this? Not why is this happening to me. Am I preaching this again? Well, I'm not, not why is this happening to me, but 
where is God? Because I just want to remind you that God always has a plan of redemption. God always has a plan of restoration. That's why wisdom starts with the worship of God, because no matter what's going on in your situation, God has a plan of redemption. God has a plan of restoration. I think these wise men gave themselves diligently to seek after Jesus, to seek after God so they could worship him fully. When you've had an encounter with God where you've found him in the midst of a difficult situation, can I tell you, your worship skyrockets to a different level. And the third idea that I want to talk about today is this. Worship is tangible. The component of the wisdom of worship, number three, worship is tangible. So Matthew 2.11 says, They came into the house, saw the child with Mary and his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And they, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Worship isn't just a feeling. It shows up in tangible ways. So I think everything about this story is their worship because their worship was manifest in their travel. I don't know if you've traveled recently, but it's just not even fun anymore. And it probably wasn't very fun then either. But their efforts to locate Jesus, their stepping out into uncertainty, their move, their, and then the Bible says the treasures that they opened up, it was all worship. Worship isn't just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. Worship shows up in tangible ways. The time and effort that you put into coming to church today, worship. <laughs> you could have just sat on the couch and watched it in video, and I'm not against that, if you're sick or on vacation. But how many of you know it's possible just to sit on the couch and consume what's happening without even getting out of your pajamas? The effort to get out of your pajamas And get dressed. And get those kids ready. And, and get here on time. No, never mind. Uh, <laughs> the effort, the tangible thing of saying, I'm coming, I'm going to pre-service prayer. Because that's worship. The, 
the, the effort to sing, even when you're not a good singer, which is the reason that we make it so loud, <laughs> and so that everybody can enjoy the service. The effort to lean into it and raise your hands. The, the effort to give instead of going, oh, here they go again. The gift of your time, the gift of your presence, it's all worship. It's tangible things show up worship. But I'm always attracted to this story because the Bible says they opened their treasures. They, they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In other words, what they had. It, every time we bring an offering, it's an expression of worship. I like us going Here's why we're doing this. Here's what we're going to do with this. But I still think there's an element of paying tithe and giving offerings that has to go, God, I'm just doing this because I love you. I don't need everybody to explain to me that 138 kids got Christmas. I just, I'm just, I'm going to give to the poor because that's what you want. I'm doing it because I worship you. I think, I think when we go to this place where we recognize my giving, my opening up my treasures and bringing it to God, it, it, it just put in a whole different light when I start thinking of it as an act of worship. You, you can give without loving, but you can't really love without giving. And I'm, I'm going to say, if God doesn't get your treasures, I'm questioning, check your heart. I'm saying the Bible is too clear about this idea that when whatever our heart loves, our resources flow. And worship is, it's not just a mental acknowledgement. Worship is the expression of love to God. Worship is, is I'm lifting my voice, I'm lifting my hands, I'm bringing my offering, I'm making it to church, I'm traveling to where the baby is, uh, I'm seeking out the direction, I'm, I'm putting my time, effort, energy, because I think, I think somebody that never enters into an expression, they don't understand what love is, because true love expresses itself. And worship is expressive because love is expressive. Your words matter. Your actions matter.
your finances matter. There's something visible, tangible about worship. I want to pray with you today. I want you to bow your heads, please, and I want you to close your eyes. And Lord, we come before you today to bring worship, to open our hearts to your kindness, to your goodness, to your greatness. Lord, I'm praying for every person that's in this room that may be facing a difficult situation, may be facing something that feels so beyond them. If that was ever a moment to pause and gaze upon you with a heart full of worship, to remember that you're good, that you heal, that you redeem, that you restore. God, I'm praying for every person, every one of us in this room. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're in this meeting today and maybe you've never just surrendered your life to Jesus, I would love to pray with you. Let's take that step together. Maybe you're here today and you know, as you look back, there was a day, there was a time, there were seasons where you were so much closer to God than you are right now. Today would be a great day for you to come home. Or maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand with God. I want us to pray together. This prayer is the first step of many, but it, it all starts with this step. Opening your heart to the love of God. Opening your heart to the Lordship of Jesus. Surrendering to God. So today, nobody looking around. I just want to take this moment. You say, Pastor, I, I need to surrender. Or I need to come back. Or I want to feel sure. Would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand real high and say, that's me. That's me. Would you pray with me? God bless you. Come on, anybody else? Just say, yeah, that's me. Anybody else? Right where you are, come on, this not a call to get your act together, just a call to surrender. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together. It's for everybody that lifted their hand, but I love for us all to pray this together as a church family. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning for me as I surrender to your love. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.